What up, what up? Welcome to episode 58 of Keep the Kayfabe. I'm Mike, sitting here with my boys, ready to talk some wrestling. AEW is getting into the reality show game now. TNT just debuted their new show, Roads to the Top. And uh, the boys and I have a lot to say about it. We're going to give our thoughts briefly on that. But we also have a very exciting interview with a local Milwaukee wrestling star, Baxter Belafonte. So you're going to want to stick around and hear that. It was a really fun interview. So let's get acclimated with the boys real quick. Over in Glendale, somebody who keeps it regal, Steve Grobschmidt. How are you, Grabby? I'm the boogeyman, and I'm going to get you. <laughs> <laughs> It's my gimmick. <laughs> Not this week. <laughs> Whatever happened to old Boog? What's, he what's shows Booger up. up to? He shows up at shows. Yeah. Yeah, he's still in, he's still in great shape. Yeah. yeah I believe guy, he's probably in his early 50s, I think. Yep. Yeah, yeah. He's he's ripped. Yeah. That sounds about right. Now, when was he actually on WWE TV? Maybe eight, ten years ago. Oh, okay. So that was probably yeah. a little bit before I got back into it. Yeah. Okay. I think his biggest, I mean, he was around. He kind of, he actually beat a fair amount of people, never really rose above upper mid. I think his most notable thing is he feuded with Booker T for a while. Yeah. And they probably ran out of uh, the budget for his worms that he yeah. would consume and throw up in the people's mouths. Yeah. Between the Boogeyman hot. and Fear Factor, yeah, the worm Oof. population has taken a big hit. Right. Let's cruise down to Bayview, talk to my guy who keeps it freshly squeezed, Matt Michelson. How are you, Matt? It's time. It's time. <laughs> it's keep the kayfabe time. Nice. Yeah. All right. I was going to get a Vader time in there. That was, a, that was a good little riff on it. Yep. Rest in peace, Leon. Yeah. Love Big Van Vader. One of my favorites. Most definitely. Huge badass. All right. Speaking of a huge badass, let's stay down in Bayview. Oh, my God! It's Charlie Michael. Demon, get the tables. <laughs> That's all I got. got. Baby. Another classic. Hey. Hey, when I was going to Cody Rose. There's more than one family in, more than one family in wrestling. <laughs> I can't, couldn't figure out how the music goes. <laughs> That's That's right. Cody Rhodes. There's more than one family in wrestling. There, you got a bonus from Charlie. Yeah. Yep. For free. <laughs> yeah, well, speaking of Cody Rhodes, we uh, mentioned it at the Whoa. top of the show real quick here. Uh, there is a new show called Roads to the Top, and I wasn't too excited about this when it first came out, but when I did see the previews and they showed the backstage and stuff, I was like, okay, I will give it a whirl just to watch, but I'm not a big fan of the reality uh you know, Mr. and Mrs. couples thing. Um, but it debuted this last Wednesday. I did flip it on. I, I had it on in the background mostly. Uh, so I didn't really give it my full attention. But when I did, I don't know. There was some cool sp 
stuff, and then there was some not cool stuff. I'm I'm still don't know how I really feel about it, but I know Steve, you had some uh, stuff that you wanted to get to about it. Can you lead us off on how we're supposed to feel about roads to the top here? I have to put it. I mean, you know, you guys heard me kind of vent a little bit about it, but I think I will say before any other words that come out of my mouth, I do recognize I'm probably not the core demographic for that show. So (laughs) I, you know, I don't like any of those kind of shows, so I don't think I was destined to like it, but I, um, I guess, I don't know if I had to sum it up, it just felt like completely pointless to me. I felt like the the thing, yeah, it's fake. The things they focused on were like, when you really think about it, or if you like the four of us, we watch AEW, they weren't even that interesting for me. Like, like Cody's promo. Yeah. Okay. He had that big all America promo. But the way they kind of covered it was not that interesting. The Ricky Starks thing, they just seemed to come out of nowhere. And again, it wasn't like it could have. I don't know. It's The show didn't feel like it had any rhyme or reason for me other than the interwoven like that Brandy's pregnant thing. And they, they just right. threw in some AEW things. And I mean, I don't know. I don't want to jump all over the place out of the bat. But like like the whole like the Jade Cargill and like Red Velvet thing just was nothing it was like they it's like time filler like they had this little mm-hmm. pissing thing over um a slap which you know probably happens every week in wrestling yeah and it was fake brand yeah and brandy's trying to be the you know trying to portray man brandy is like the skilled manager i don't know i i, I i've been a manager for 10 plus years i've dealt with shit like that all the time it was not like the way she handled it the way it played out it was like a whole lot of nothing it's like Two people get in a pissing match, you put them in a room, you settle it. And even that, it was just, I don't know. Everything about the show, like, I guess I'll sum it up before I stop blathering and I'll let you guys talk. With a couple exceptions, like, say, like Ricky Starks or whatever, I came out of it having a lower opinion of everybody on the show than I went into it. Like, I had a lower opinion of Cody. I had a much lower opinion of Brandy. Her family, his family, like, his family came off horrible. Like, it just... Yeah, I think everybody came across as kind of awful. I think that's Except for really... Darby Allen. I thought the Darby Allen uh, segment where he talked about, like, this is where I got dressed, like, to be alone, and I used to oh, sleep yeah. in my car before big yeah. matches. That was the only thing that I thought was cool out of this show, and I didn't mean to cut you off there, Matt, but I totally agree with you, Steve. Um, it just seems like a whole lot of randomness thrown on TV just for random sake. But, I mean, if they want us to, you know love cody and love brandy i don't see how this is the way to go about it no so um matt i cut you off a little bit there why don't you go ahead and take it quick yeah i was just going to add on to what steve was saying um so full transparency to our listeners out there i am probably the only one in this podcast who has not watched this show at this point but just based on steve's summary i kind of get the gist of what's going on with this show and it's nothing that i wouldn't have expected just seeing the commercials i think that my hesitation. So I, I've already told the group via group text, you know, we talked about this a little bit before we started recording. I'm probably not going to end up watching this show if for no other reason than I really like AEW as a product. And I love the characters, especially Cody, Brandy, how they portray themselves on that show. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this show gives it opportunity to ruin my perception of their characters. I mean, I don't know what they're like as real people. And quite frankly, I don't really want to know because I'm just afraid that that's going to taint my love of AEW in some regard. So 
yeah, I, for me, I don't really plan on watching this show. But Steve, based on a lot of the things you just said, I, it's nothing that really shocked me all too much. Um, you know, and a lot, of, I think a lot of the reviews I've seen online kind of said the same thing. Now, one thing I do want to call out, though, and I think we had talked about this also amongst the group the other day, um, is that did this show outdraw NXT 2.0 last week in the ratings? In the key demographic it did, which is, that's what I misread it when I texted you guys. Like, I thought they got more viewers overall. They did not. But they did get more 18 to 49, which I think is, you know, something worth noting. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so I guess, you know, if you want to think of it in terms of, like, what would you rather watch, NXT or Roads to the Top? I mean, at this point, <laughs> I don't know. It would be a toss-up for me. But, yeah, just kind of looking at the ratings and seeing how big of a draw this show is, you know, obviously a big part of that is going to be the AEW core fan base. But you got to think there's a handful of folks tuning in who just love reality TV, too. So, just, right. just an interesting thing. There's a lot of people that watch Mr. and Miss or Miz and whatever and Total Bellas that never watch wrestling. So, yeah, I think that last thing you said is true. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think it's kind of almost a direct ripoff of Miz and Mrs. Because when they were, they started that show, I think Marcel, I think that's her name, um, like was pregnant and it was like, you know, their lives leading up to the birth of the child. It's true. It's, it did start with the pregnancy, didn't it? Yeah, it's kind of, but then they're just slapping the whole promotion on this show too. And um, I mean, Matt, I think you're a very smart man by avoiding it. And I kind of, I I think I'm going to follow you on that advice too. I don't know if I want to watch it because it did take AEW's reputation a couple notches down for me. And I want to keep it up. And um, yeah, one way to do it would not be tuning into Roads to the Top. But uh, Charlie, what did you think of this show? That it's, I mean, I used to be a big reality TV show fan until it became scripted. And yeah. it wasn't that bad until they got to the end where um, they did the slap thing and it was totally fake. It was, you know, mm-hmm. there was no drama involved. It was just a fake setup. It's, it's, it just makes. I don't know. It's, I'm I'm kind of in the corner where Cody and Brandy need to stay off TV, right. and this is going to make them look worse with this right. fake show. And, I mean, some of the stuff behind the scenes was kind of cool, but when they lost me when they got to the fake fight, the mm-hmm. fake argument scene yeah. at the wedding thing, wine tasting thing, it was just it well, was that, jumped the that, shark for me. Yeah, that wine tasting scene was basically just a ploy to market maybe Brandy's wine that is coming. Oh, I didn't think of that. Yeah, so probably, it's just yeah. basically product placement with some drama. And, um, you know, they probably just took an instance from, you know, something that happened a long time ago and just like, okay, how can we make light of this and make it relevant, make it interesting? And, I mean, Red Velvet stock has gone way down in the company anyway. So this could be her last hurrah, and it wouldn't be the best, um, you know, parting words with her. So yeah, you know, I'll, and I'll to add something I said to you guys the other day, um, and I think it touches on what Charlie said about the the roadses on TV. But so I don't have anything against Brandy personally. Like I think I don't doubt she's worked hard. She's had to face a lot of stigmas in pro wrestling and kind of overcome you know, um, 
discrimination, whatever. I, I respect her as a person and have no doubt about her work ethic. But the fact of the matter is, especially at the current state of the women's roster, she is near the bottom in talent. Oh, most definitely. And that's both on the mic and in the ring. And when I heard things in that show where she's like, you know, she's got to prove to herself she can be the champion. I know that's all for a show, but my God, if they ever even tried to get her near the title, that would, the fans would just reject it. Like it would, it would get ugly because nobody wants to see her as the champion. Well, when she does this, yeah, when she does a solo match, they're going to kill her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have that CM Punk sign. If CM Punk is here, we riot. They should make yeah. a sign that says, if Brandy Rhodes gets the title, we riot. Oh, trust but, me, they will. Trust me, they will. They're going to let... The fans will let her know what they think of her. That That's a great thing about AEW crowd and that, that indie crowd. They will let you know that you suck. I still have a measure of uh, confidence in Cody that he knows what he's doing and he's embracing and kind of playing off this heel yeah. thing. Yeah. I think, he, yeah, I think it's a master, it, which is it's, good. A, it's a master plan, but Brandy yeah. is not going to be that. If they're not going to be booing because, because she's fooling them like Cody is it, like, they're going to boo her because she's not that good. And it's just, yeah, it's, yeah, I really hope they're smarter than that. Yeah. It's that go away. It's that go away. He, she's got, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's already happened when she started, when AEW started. You guys probably maybe forgot this already. Oh. Remember, she tried to get that heel faction going. Yeah. And yep. like, oh, yeah. after like two, three weeks, they abandoned it because it was a, it was a fart in church. And um, yeah, and nothing else she's really done in there. I mean, it, I guess we never got anywhere with her and Jade because she got pregnant and then they, they slipped in Red Velvet. But I don't think that would have gone that well either. I mean, Jade's Jade's stock is much higher than Brandy's, so she probably would have beaten Jade at some point, and that wouldn't have gone well. And, no. Yeah, for sure. And and not to get too far off topic, but speaking of Jade Cargill, we did see that triple threat match with her on Rampage this past Friday. And, yeah, they're clearly pushing her as one of the most dominant women in the division. And yeah. Mike and I were having a conversation about this last night where I, I, my only concern with that is that they push her too fast. And, you know, she ends up beating someone like Britt Baker or, you know, some other woman who clearly has the work rate that need they need to be a champion or something like that. Um, but my fear is you get put someone like Jade Cargill in as the women's champion who, you know, even watching a triple threat match, it's still pretty obvious she's not quite there yet as far as being able to really deliver a championship level match. Because I don't know if you guys saw the match on Friday, but there's a mm-hmm. segment where she takes several chair shots at Thunder Rosa. And the chair shots are clearly pulled at the last second. It's just was not done well at all and ended up being the finish to the match. So, yeah, um, I think they're doing a lot to push her. And obviously, you know, you guys all mentioned she was on roads to the top as well. So they're taking every angle they can to get her over with the crowd. Right. Yeah. And I don't think this is the way I'm going to tread very, very, very lightly with this show. And probably I might give it a chance this coming week for episode two. But after that, I don't know. I don't think I want to know. Yeah. Some things you just don't want to see, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. There's not enough of a good stuff. Like you, you brought up the Darby thing. The Ricky mm-hmm. Starks thing approached interesting, and then they kind of didn't deliver. But um, right. 
there's things that those aren't enough for me or uh, honestly the main reason and i guess this you know smart of them the main reason i stayed watching it was because they said sammy guevara was going to have something to say after like the first commercial break <laughs> which, which was a nice payoff because you know that was the he he accepted the challenge from bobby fish but uh mm-hmm. yeah I'm, they're not going to get me again i think i'm going to skip yeah. it going forward yeah i don't think it's for wrestling fans no um which is weird but um well you yeah. know if you listen to Meltzer and some of these guys like you know AEW is doing great universally nobody I mean you yeah. cannot but they're okay wrestling skews male but their their ratio is like way worse than like WWE even WWE yeah. you know, say is like 65 35 or 70 30 WWE is like 85 15 or something like that um yeah. men and I think this is in part an attempt because, you know, the reality shows tend to be a little more balanced, if not skewing for women that they're yeah. hoping that there's some spillover. Yeah. It could be their attempt to get some more women. I mean, yeah. I'm in, I'm into the UFC and um, the only reason I got into the UFC years ago is when they had the ultimate fighter reality show, but it was a legit yeah. reality show. So it got right. me into knowing the characters and knowing the people. And then I, got into wanting to see them fighting and getting in more into the UFC. But I mean, it's their vehicle probably to get more women, but I can see their point. But like I said, for wrestling fans and like the wrestling, you're not, you're, you're not going to be into it. Cause it's not an, it's too, it's too fake. You know, it's, I, mm-hmm. like I said, I love reality shows when they, before they became scripted, I was a big reality show fan. That's all I used to watch for a while was reality shows. Which was which were some of your favorites, Charlie? Would you say, like all the housewives of this and that, really? the real the real world, you know, shit like that, you know, a lot wow. of like uh, ninety day fiance and shit like that. That's still actually a pretty good one. I don't watch it as much, but you know, shit like that. That's real. Where it's like, holy shit, these are some fucked up people. Like I was a big also. <laughs> what's a I was a big Jersey Shore fan too. <laughs> yeah, me too. Oh yeah! Hey, did you ever did you ever see the spinoff to Ninety Day Fiance? The the after show? No, it's the um, the house Chantel. No, at all? Oh man, it's with Chantel and this other dude, and it's pretty funny. I do Is like that, those. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Me, those me are real, kind of. Yeah, those yeah. are those are real because it's like dude, you can totally tell that person's just using them to get into yeah. this country or whatever. Those kids yeah. are rich. It's like some. 50 or 60 year old guy with a 20 year old chick from thailand it's like come on dude you know what this is about oh big time <laughs> you know? oh yeah and when the guy's like 350 pounds and he has oh, like yeah. some 20 year old 110 <laughs> yeah. pound beautiful woman okay oh yeah yep totally or like the or like the or like the opposite when a guy like some for some some countries real good he's pretty good looking he's with some 300 pound chick from like tennessee or something it's like oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah the, that like, that chick actually looks good the dude from nigeria from yeah. uh with that old lady she was like 60 now she lost like a bunch yeah. of weight and she's got her own show now okay I mean, it's yeah. full-fledged enterprise now it's crazy. yeah it's, it's that stuff that that show's good those are good because they're so <laughs> yeah. dysfunctional you can see you know this isn't going to work out but you just got to see how the train wrecks you know right <laughs> well we're not going to get that kind of drama, I don't think, in Roads to the Top. It might be something to flip on to fall asleep to if you're really, totally. really desperate. My, but, um, mindless TV before you go to bed. You know, I just want to watch something to wind down. Absolutely. You know? 
Awesome. Well, that was a good little wrap up about Roads to the Top. And like I said, we have a great interview with local wrestler Baxter Belafonte. It's a really fun episode. So without further ado, let's kick it over to Baxter Belafonte. We are very excited to bring out our guest this evening. He has wrestled on Milwaukee promotions such as Brew City Wrestling, Insane Championship Wrestling, Legacy Pro Wrestling, and major indie promotion Ring of Honor. He has also attended seminars with WWE executive Adam Pearce and living legends Kevin Sullivan and Jimmy Hart. He has also lifted the title of the Brew City Wrestling Heritage Championship and is the two-time ICW Tag Team Champion as one half of the Luxurious Ones. Please welcome to the show, Baxter Belafonte. How are you, brother? Hey, hey boys. I'm great. How you doing? Real good. Thanks for joining us this evening. Absolutely. Fantastic. So before we get into things too much, I just have to pause here for a second. First of all, I just want to share with our listeners at home. Yes, we are indeed drinking White Claws, because what else would you drink when you have Baxter Belafonte on the show? Secondly, and more importantly, Bax, I I just want you to start things off by telling us a little bit about what you're wearing here, because I noticed when you first walked in, you got on a Packers t-shirt, some red shorts, and a fanny pack. How did this all come about? What's going on here? Well, I mean... Go Pat Go, first of all. <laughs> Trounce the Pittsburgh Steelers, as we all knew they would. Word up. So I had to show it, show out for the boys. Um, as far as the shorts, it's just comfort and uh, the fanny pack. That's convenience. You yeah. know, I got uh, I got my wallet in there. I got my koozie, which I used instantly on the host-given claws. Uh, it's true. We are drinking claws. We do our homework here on Keep the Kayfabe. We do. That they do, and that it is delicious. Um, and the rest is just, you know, a little bit of bling. Just how I roll. Word up. Just the day in the life of Baxter Belafonte. And I'm a fanny pack uh, goer myself. I'm all about functionality. It's a lot. It's a lot you can fit in there. Absolutely. And you're always prepared. Always prepared. Nice, dude. Well, let's get down to it. So, like, how did you get into wrestling and fall in love with the business? Tell me something about that. <laughs> yeah, so like any dreamer kid, I guess you'd say, um, lifelong fan, watched it as a kid. Um, you know, growing up, I didn't, I was probably seven, eight, whatever it was. Uh, my brother, who's four years older than me, was watching wrestling, and I wanted to do what my brother did. And um, he was watching Bret the Hitman Hart, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is cool, man. Oh, this is, I don't know what this is. He's hitting him. There was a kick. I don't know. And then I liked wrestling. Mm-hmm. And um, it was probably the next week, the next episode, I was like, yeah, Bret Hart. And my brother was like, no, I like Bret Hart. You can't like him. Nice. Like, ah, oh, shit. Or poop or whatever I said at that age. <laughs> and uh, so I had to I had to like somebody else because my brother liked Bret Hart. Okay. And um, the first guy that spoke to me, was the heartbreak kid Shawn Michaels? Dude. Man, oh. this guy came out. He had the hair. I mean, y'all know he had the hair and the, the he's, swag. He's man. just a sexy boy. He's just a sexy boy, and um, just straight entertainment. And he had me right from there. So, uh, lifelong wrestling fan. Um, I I kind of got out of it in college a little bit. You're doing the college thing, mm. um, but then after college, just just back into it, started watching one night and having a couple claws. I'm like, man, I could probably do this. You know, I I could do that. I'm watching somebody. I could I could probably do that. And 
Um, I start Googling. I'm living here in Milwaukee. And uh, turns out there's a, a training center near me. I, uh, you know, with those seven claws deep, I sent them an email. Wanted to check it out, start training. And uh, I guess the rest is history from there. Just uh, started training a couple months later, had some stuff to tie up, and uh, I, I was in. Awesome, dude. Yeah, I, so I got to say, too, similar story. Mm. I'm an HBK guy till I die. Preach. Right around 94, 95, that 96 era, that's when I caught the bug. Um, we've talked about it in past episodes. So similar, kind of fell out of it in college, and then my love for wrestling kind of re-sparked a little bit later. So so when you're saying you uh, are talking about a wrestling school near you, uh, you must be talking about uh, the Thumper Den, right? Down in uh, Cudahy with Frankie DeFalco. Absolutely. He founded that school. Uh, sorry, Frank, I don't know when it was, but it, it was um, in the 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, sent them an email. He said, hey, come check us out. Um, he let me watch a session, a training session. Loved it instantly and let him know when I wanted to tr- start training. And, um, yeah, um, started training, and it's uh, it was a good time. Well, maybe not at first, but. Yeah, tell us about some of those early bumps. Like, what was, like, so just a guy off the street. Like, you walk in there. I mean, you're probably smelling smells you never thought you've smelled <laughs> before. And, I mean, you're, you're seeing all kinds of crazy stuff, like. Take me through that. Like, what were some of those early bumps like in the scene like in there? Man, I was sore. After that first day, I was sore for two to three weeks. Wow. And that was just bumps and hitting the ropes. Yeah. I, that's all I did my first day was, you know, we did some um, cardio drills mm-hmm. and then um, bumps and hitting the ropes. And I was bruised mm-hmm. and um, very, very sore. And I was like, at what, 31? At the time, I was like, I don't know. This is this is a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't feel so good. But um, kept going to training, and your body does adapt, but it never, never fully. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it always hurts. I've heard that. So in the past, I've heard Shane McMahon talk about taking a bump and what it's actually like, and he sort of described it as the equivalent of going out into your backyard, tucking your chin, jumping up in the air, and just falling down on the ground. How far off would you say that is from what you experienced? That's pretty accurate. Oh, I mean, I don't want to say it's like cement, but if you're in the grass, which I've taken grass bumps as well, yeah. it's right there. Wow. Doesn't feel great. Yeah. And the ropes, <laughs> do they burn as much as like they say they do when you're running them? They can burn. I would say more like if they're really tight, which they should be. Okay. It's just you're leaning your whole weight into something and it's shooting you back. Mm-hmm. And at first, your body's not used to that, so it just it's like impact, impact, impact. So when we first start running them, you run them until your trainer says stop running them. Sometimes that's a minute, sometimes it's two minutes. Um, you kind of got to show that you're there to work, yeah, and that you want it. So uh, the bruises are battle scars at that point. So it's kind of like a weeding out process of who's like serious about this and who's not. Like if you can endure the the punishment and the bombardment to your body like like these are the people that are here and then after that is that when you kind of like try to mold your style uh did you try to emulate somebody in the early early days or um i will say as far as reading people out um i've seen a lot of people come and go sure 
and um, you're being tested absolutely when you first start training um, you know everyone comes in saying this is my dream I want to do this and uh, it's a lot of work yeah and it kind of sucks at yeah. first um, as far as you know moving into past I guess proving you really want to be there I don't know if I tried to emulate someone right away because there's so much to learn. I think I just wanted to get down the basics and um, technique. Right. I wanted to safely learn how to do what I was supposed to do. And then once you once you get comfortable enough and once you start working shows, then you can kind of play with, okay, I really like that this guy does this. I'm going to try that. I, I'm going to... You know, I'm going to punch this way or I'm going to, you know, over time, I mean, still to this day, I'm four-ish years in, still trying to tweak and, and perfect my craft. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's such a great story. So so you mentioned going into the Thumper's Den, starting to learn how to train. Those first several months, I'm sure, were grueling. So take us through, you hit that mark after a few months where you're ready for your first match. Mm-hmm. And so I'm assuming that was part of Brew City Wrestling? It was, yeah. It was. Okay, so take us through what that experience was like. What was the match all about, and how did it go over with the crowd? Sure. So, of course, shout-out to Bruce City Wrestling, uh, who trained me and has given me a ton of opportunities. So, woot, woot, thank you, Frank, mm-hmm. and uh, and Matt, of course. Um, so, my first match, um, <clears throat> it wasn't planned. So, card is always subject to change, right? Sure. So, we had a show in Watertown. And at this time, I was just part of ring crew, setting up and tearing down ring, um, getting vets their beers when they need them. And um, we're setting up the ring. And uh, full disclosure, I was hungover. <laughs> like, uh, I'm setting up the ring. I'm like, oh, I need some water, man. This sucks. <laughs> like, huffing it. And um, and White Claws weren't really that big at the time. Yeah, They weren't. I was probably hungover. It's a bush light or something, to be honest. The lattes... <laughs> The price was right, and they're good enough. But, um, yeah, I was hungover. I'm setting up the ring. I'm like, man, this sucks. Um, thank you. Um, and um, the promoter, Frankie DeFalco, calls me over. Hey, you want to you wanna wrestle today? And, of course, we, we go to every show with your gear. You never know what's going to happen. Um, I had my gear. Totally different gimmick at the time. I'll tell you about that in a mm-hmm. little bit. And I said, Sure. Yeah, I want to wrestle. You know, I got the face going. I'm not hungover. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I was. Um, so he sets me up to wrestle with one of the vets, Brandon Blaze, who's been in the business for a, a long, long time. And um, he goes to Brandon Blaze. He's like, hey, you're going to wrestle him, your first match. Um, don't fuck up. Of course, I'm I'm green. I'm the rookie. I'm like, God, my promoter just said don't fuck up. I'm probably going to fuck up now because you said that. (laughs) Great (laughs) advice. Uh, Yeah, so um, nervous as all hell, but um, he took care of me. We had, I mean, an okay match for a newbie doing his first match. The crowd was probably, I don't know, 100, 150, which is a lot, especially in Watertown. For sure. Um, I didn't really know how to play with the crowd at the time, but I just went out there and did what I thought was cool and we had a good time. I got my ass beat. But uh yeah, that was that was the first match. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure the nerves were just going crazy Woo! then. So like if you had some advice like the Baxter Belafonte today, what would you say to 
the Baxter going into the business? Would you have any advice for somebody like breaking into the business, what they could do, like whether it be confidence or? It's tough to say because all rookies kind of have to go through a grind. Excuse me. All rookies have to go kind of through a grind. You're the green kid. You're the newbie. Everyone, almost everyone is nervous and is probably not as good as they think they are or as good as they want to be. So you just got to get through some of the shitty matches. And not even shitty, but some of the, I guess, botches, really. Um, But if you have a good vet that you're wrestling, they're going to cover you. They're going to take care of you and make sure that the show is still good, Mm -hmm. that you still look good, and that, of course, they look good. Mm Mm-hmm. As far as advice, I would say don't drink the night before your first. <laughs> I don't even drink before shows now at all because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess if anything else, I would say make sure your cardio is good to go like before you're about to start working shows because it's a lot. It, mm. You get five minutes into a match and you're huffing and mm. your opponent's ready to go, you're going you're gonna to blow it. So Right. Um, at that time I was wrestling in a full suit and tie. So that didn't help with the cardio thing cause I was sweating balls. Sure. But, um, yeah, the cardio is huge. I guess that would be one of the things I would say is the cardio. Makes a lot of sense. Yep. So, um, I mentioned some of these seminars with some of these big names in wrestling. Yeah. Um, t- how did you discover these and like, what did you take away from them? Do you have any good, uh, stories from those seminars that you attended? Um, well, we'll start with Adam Pierce cause we've seen him twice. Um, every time they come into the show, he lets Frankie know, um, if your students want to, you know, talk about wrestling or, or go over anything, um, let me know. And we, we bring them into the training center and man, that guy has a wealth of knowledge. Um, the first time we just, he just talked and we went down the line, little Q and a, he's like, what do you want to know about wrestling? What questions do you have? Nothing like previous matches or anything like that. But, um, like, what do you want to know? How do you want to get better? And he would give us some feedback. The second time he came around, we all did like five or less minute matches for him and he'd give us feedback. So that was really cool. He, you know, he'd give us feedback on you should do this better or I like the way you move here or, you know, your, your positioning was off here. Mm -hmm. Little technicalities. So that was really cool. That man is super smart. Nice. Um, the other ones were, um, Kevin Sullivan, of course. Um, Again, wealth of knowledge, just like infinite wisdom in that man. Um, stories for days. Booker man. Dude, totally <laughs> Booker man. Um, yeah, he just he's just so smart. And nice. like at one of the shows we had him on, um, there was ideas going back and forth on what should be, be happening during a match. And he'd be like, well, what if we did this? Well, what if we did this and had this guy do this? He just had such good ideas. And then we talked about it in the seminar as well. Like he would say, "What do you want to do in wrestling? What what's your gimmick, um, and where do you want to go with it?" And we would all there was like thirty of us there, students. We would all tell us about it, and um, and I, I won't forget what he said um, to me. I said, "I'm going for this in my current character," um, you know, which was is still true. Like uh, inspired by like Freddie Mercury and a little bit like Russell Brand and 
there's a couple others that I'm escaping me, but like, this is what I want to do. I want to be flashy, um, cocky, and and then I kind of trailed off, and I was like, I'm not really sure about this yet. And he was like, well, if you want to build a house, are you just going to put the framing up and then walk away? And I was like, uh, no, I guess not. He's like, figure it all out, and you'll be fine. He's like, build the whole house, and you'll be perfectly fine. I was like, damn. That's a compliment. Absolutely. So figure it all out, and no one will question you. So that dude is just like straight shooter too, mm-hmm. just a, a good dude. So the Baxter Belafonte that's sitting here with us tonight, does he have it all figured out? <laughs> In theory. <laughs> um, I'd like to think so, but no. Uh, continuously evolving um, character-wise, move-wise, um, entrance-wise. Not only am I still just figuring it out, but I'm always trying to do something different and something that will spark a different reaction because um, my previous gimmick, which I will talk about was a, a, a Butler type gimmick. Like I said, full suit and tie. And I kind of did the same thing every time I wore the same thing every time. Now I'm trying to mix it up. I recently added like the jewelry. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to try to wear something different. Maybe my hair is different. Maybe my move different. So I like where I'm at and I'd like to say I'm, figuring it out but it's it's not quite there yet yeah. working on it yeah always fine-tuning yeah i was yes, gonna sir. i was gonna ask you about that so when did you reinvent yourself was that when you joined the luxurious ones or was this when you were still rolling solo when you went from a butler to this new freddie mercury type uh gimmick so i don't remember the exact date mm-hmm. but after about a year so let's see. I trained for six months before debuting, and then a year as the Butler character, and then I was like, "All right, I'm ready to to be something more." I want. Okay. So the Butler character was given to me, and it was a lot of people do this when you're fresh in the business. You're kind of a almost a sidekick to um, a veteran, and I was for a while, which was great. It got me booked, and we had a good time, and then. Um, after about a year, I was like, all right, I'm ready to be me. I'm ready to do something that I came into wrestling for. Um, and I told my trainer, the Beer City Bruiser, of course, that I want to I wanted to be something a little bit different. I want to be a little bit flamboyant. I want to be out there. I want to be something that um, nobody else is really doing right now. And he's like, yeah, go for it. He's like, let's see what you got, and let's go for it. The butler gimmick was given to you. Uh, so I always think that's super interesting because we always hear about, you know, like the Undertaker was supposed to be like the clucker or whatever like that, right? Or like something totally different. Wasn't he like Mean Mark or something? Something like that. Yeah, well, he just, was, everybody there was, starts something weird. Yeah, yeah. And there were stories about him at some point wanting to, well, he didn't want to, but I believe it was Vince McMahon wanted him to come out of an egg Yeah, at some point. <laughs> and I think looking back, it's probably a good thing that that didn't happen for both his sake and the sake of the business. Oh, yeah. Definitely. So yeah. I always just think it's interesting, like the the backstory of like, okay, like do they just have like a rolodeck of gimmicks that are ready for green wrestlers? And like, eh, yeah, you could pull off the bu- the butler thing. And then once you get your feet under you, they give you the freedom to expand upon like you know your self expression, and you go out there and do your art in this new thing. So I think that's super cool. So I I love the new gimmick. I I can't wait to see it out live soon. But um. Talk about like your time in Ring of Honor. I mean, that's crazy. Like, 
how did you get like booked for that? Right place, right time, or what? Absolutely, right place, right time, and nice. Literally crazy. Um, so uh, again, props to the Beer City Bruiser. He'll he'll say, hey, to our stu- his students, um, we got a show coming up. We need some guys to come in and help out, set up the ring, do ticket sales, um, help do like autograph lines, things like that. And um, the first one was Chicago. I want to I want to say it was like it's not called the Orpheum, but like the Oh something. I'll have to look it up. But at that time, I was still in the Butler gimmick, and we always bring your gear, right? You never mm-hmm. know what's gonna happen. <laughs> And it's funny because one of the wrestlers I rode with in the car was like, oh, you're bringing your gear? What? It's Ring of Honor. Nothing's going to happen. Whatever. Got ripped on. So we get there. We set up the ring. We did all that stuff. And um, we're helping out the wrestlers in the set up the um, autograph line. And uh, that same wrestler, she's like, she comes up. She's like, uh, remember when I made fun of you earlier? I was <laughs> like, yeah. She's like, uh, Go get your gear. I think you're booked. I'm like, for what? You just shit yourself too? <laughs> a little bit. Just had a little nugget in there. And uh, um, so the first time, this is probably 2018. Orpheum? Did I say that? Never mind. 2018, they needed someone to be the bell ringer. They were recording four episodes of Ring of Honor. And because of my suit and tie they were like we want you at ringside ringing the bell next to the commentating team that makes sense yeah i was like absolutely Mm -hmm. so that was cool um the next year back in chicago same thing bruiser brought us down said you know uh pay your dues set up the ring help out do what you got to do and um bruiser gets pulled aside and he's uh, the booker says hey we need a couple guys your students to help out extras what kind of thing and uh, Bruiser looks at me, my current tag team partner, Mav. He says, Bax and Mav, come on over here. So we're like still kind of green, like, D-D-D, what's going <laughs> to happen? He's like, all right, you guys are uh, you guys are going to be in the show tonight. Another four episodes. So we're on different episodes. Sweet. So he, um, my buddy Mav, actually worked a, a match with Josh Woods. When Josh Woods was first coming back, it was like a one-minute match. <laughs> That's out there somewhere. And then I did a segment with um, Silas Young, Milwaukee native. Wow, awesome! Yeah, and that I'll send you that footage too. For sure. Um, I don't remember who he was feuding with at the time, but he puts me in a bunch of technical wrestling holds. Um, this was all as real as it can get. He fuck he fish hooked me really hard. He gave me the eye gouge, and then um, he says the worst thing you can do to an opponent is give him the nut shot. <laughs> and I go to the crowd, like 500 deep, I'm like, no, no, I hope he doesn't do that. And he's like, I'm not going to do that. I'm like, okay, good. Nuts me right there <laughs> in front of everybody. If you've seen pro wrestling, you kind of knew where that story was going even before it ended. <laughs> You'd think I would have known, but uh, here I am still half a nut, you know, dented. Uh, but that was hilarious and um, great crowd. Um, they gave me the old "Please come back" chant, which that's I did awesome. Not expect. Wow, that's great. Um, and then last one was with um, here in Potawatomi in Milwaukee, and um, a bunch of us again were working security, and um, this was at a time where Maria Manic was working everybody's ass over, and she had a feud with Brian Johnson going, I think, 
And um, the thing was, and um, Bully Ray was setting it up. Wow. Um, I don't know if he's still with Ring of Honor. I don't think so. COVID. I don't think he's with Ring of Honor right now. Okay. No, well, he was setting it up. Wow. Okay. So um, he's like, here's what we're going to do. And Maria was going to like, um, I don't know if she punched him or like slammed him. And then I was the last one to go in. And Bully goes, well, if it's the last guy, it's got to be something big, right? So I go up to her, and, and Bully came up with this. I'm like, no, no, stop, stop. She grabs me in the wrist, puts me in a torture rack. She's like jumping, torture racking me. And it fucking hurt, man. Wow. And then after she's done, she tosses me up behind her back, and I slam down and roll away. And that was, and I'll find that somewhere on TV too. Woo-wee. Nice. <laughs> she is, she's strong too. And how tall is she? Just shy of six foot. Oh, okay. So she's like, you're like about six, what? Six, two? Probably six, three, six, four on okay. a good day. Wow. Mm-hmm. So that had to been, a, that's a cool ass spectacle right there. Yeah. That's she, awesome. Like I said, she's strong as fuck. Like, I thought it'd be like, okay, I'm going to help you pick me up. No, no. She just picked me up like I was, uh, Nice. I was going to say sack of potatoes, but that sounds heavy. No, I was just like a sack of fucking <laughs> radishes. <laughs> Close enough. You told me about a story about like um, that you like I asked you, like, have you ever like gotten color in a match before? Is, was this Ugh. with her or somebody different? Somebody different. Yeah. OK. Can you tell us about that story? Because I wanted to hear about this because I heard it got kind of gnarly and we're going to hear the Irish crickets real quick right here. Oh, is that what that's called? The Irish Crickets. Oh, yeah. Ooh, I like that name. Here we go. There we go. Oh, those are Irish. So, yeah. Let's hear about this. So, the color story. So, Bruce City Wrestling's biggest event of the year is always in January. All the matches and storylines lead up to January. Okay. <clears throat> um, so, this was probably 2018. Um, the main event of Rise to Honor for BCW, and it was War Games without a cage. Okay. You know, every two minutes, someone on the other team comes out. Okay. Two teams, but one two teams contestant of... comes out from each team two minutes after. Correct. All right. Two teams of four. Got it. So I was in the opening two right. with another local wrestler, Stacy Shadows, who's a, a boss. She's a, she's a badass. Awesome. And I found out this night as well. So the ring is... Um, the ropes are wrapped in barbed wire. Mm. So that was fun. Mm. And it was also fans bring the weapons. Hmm. So, yeah. So we start, you know, we start locking up. We start fucking around. I thought I was doing okay. All of a sudden, uh, she puts me down. She's bigger than me and stronger than me. She puts me down, instantly throws me into the barbed wire. Starts, uh, you know, back and forth in the barbed wire. Wow. And, uh. That sucked, and uh, I didn't. I didn't start bleeding yet, and then uh, she grabs me again, back and forth, into the wire. That's when the blood started coming, and um, I had never bled in a match before. Started bleeding a little bit, and then um, a minute later, started bleeding a lot of bit, and um, I didn't plan on bleeding this much, but the barbed wire sucked, and uh, at one point I was in the corner. Kind of dying for a minute, and the, the ref was on the outside because he didn't want to be in the inside. He's checking on me, and it was doing a little squirt action. He's oh. like, are you okay? Can you continue? I was like, I think so. I'm, 
I'm not feeling great, buddy. I think I'm all right. And he's like, oh, it looks super badass. Just keep going. If the ref thinks it looks cool, you know you're fine to go. Oh, God. And You're doing great, man. The third competitor has not come out yet. Oh, God. The... Wait, you're the only two people right yeah. now? Oh, no. And we haven't even gotten to the, the fans bring the weapons part yet. Oh, fuck. So I'm bleeding. Mind you, this is my first... And only to date match that my father has come to a match. Oh god. He oh, came no. to the big event and uh, yeah, he hasn't come since, but uh, <laughs> I reassured him that I was okay, not knowing if I really was. But uh, man, it went on from there. I had a a cheese grater put to my head mm. from uh, Dysfunction, who's a, another huge talent here in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Somebody also brought a loaf of bread. One of the fans brought a loaf of bread. Oh. And that was shoved into my blood and then into my mouth. There was a lot going on. That could have soaked up the blood, though. I mean, I've been to Panera before with those bread bowls. (laughs) So, I mean, that could have been your saving grace is that loaf of bread. It probably was. It probably was. And then she shoved it in my mouth, so I don't know. Yikes. Yeah. Okay. Um, Wild night. Yeah. Needless to say, we lost that match. So, how long were you bleeding, like? 20 minutes like yeah that's fair you, you, okay yeah wow that's a lot and didn't you say your wife was ringside too she had to have been losing her mind <laughs> yeah so oh god because she already knows this she told me before the show if you bleed i'm not gonna want to be there she's like are you gonna bleed i'm like i don't think so i'm i got you know i'm pretty good i'm i'm prepared i'm talented i'm, I'm ready for this match so i bled and um you know, there was one moment in during the match where I had to look at her, give her the okay, say, I'm not going to die, I don't think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think. So I gave her the okay. The match went on for another couple minutes, but it was a struggle. Wow. No lie. I, I don't really want to bleed like that ever again. Yeah. So how do you give that signal to your wife without <laughs> telling off the rest of the crowd, like, it's okay, I'm really fine? Just like an eye contact and a wink. It's just that they, they say their safety word from their honeymoon. Yeah, or something. The couple's intuition when you know you know. Banana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Scream pineapple. Yeah. <laughs> the crowd is like, "What? He's deranged. Yeah, yeah. He's losing it. He's lost too much blood. <laughs> Get him out of there." But she knew. But I, honestly, I was messed up. I should have gone to the emergency room that night. Wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'll talk about it later. But I can feel it. You can see it when we get a little closer. Mm-hmm. That's a scar. Wow. I, I don't want to say I regret it because it was a blast. Main event of our biggest show of the year. The crowd loved it, and that's what we're here for. Mm-hmm. That sucked for a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So, so the match ends. Obviously, you know, you talk to your wife. Everything's as good as it can be. And you mentioned you didn't go to the emergency room. So what happens the rest of that night? Like, how do you deal with all these cuts and this barbed wire? A lot of Neosporin, Band-Aids, <laughs> ice. Over-the-counter stuff. Oh, absolutely. Anything I had in the house. Sure. Um, yeah, a lot of home remedies that I probably should have. Yeah, I should have went to the hospital for sure. This The forehead thing, that should have got stitched up. Mm. Well, uh, there was just uh, Sabu on Dark Side of the Ring when he was talking about his time on uh, FMW. He said he yeah. used to super glue his cuts together. Yes, oh, and I then, haven't like, watched that one yet. Oh, dude, it is—it's gnarly. It's super gnarly. And I mean, 
now that fans are listening to this after hearing this story, it kind of is a nice little segue. It's the latest episode, but when I heard Sabu and like super glue in human flesh, I was just like, Ugh. so you didn't bust out the gorilla glue that night, did you? I didn't, but now, I mean, that a veteran knows how to do it. Maybe I should have. <laughs> <laughs> there was another moment where I, um, so at that time I was still green. I hadn't jumped off the top rope at all. Okay. Mm. But there was a moment where I, I cut some of the barbed wire off the ring and I wrapped it around my body. Okay. And then I jumped, I got on the top rope and the rest of the people are on the outside of the ring. Again, never jumped off the top rope again. And I'm bleeding and like, I couldn't see, like I had to do the, the I'm wiping my eyes for those, those who are listening. Yeah. Wiping my eyes. I got blood all over and I just jump off to the outside of the ring. Wow. And the eight people were standing there. I think one person I maybe hit, and my head slammed against the ground right in front of my dad. Oh, Oh, God. God. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Just a bit outside. Just a bit. It's so funny talking about this because you talk about, you know, wrapping yourself in barbed wire, and we're just sitting here acknowledging it. But then (laughs) that moment when it happened right in front of your dad, that's, that's somehow the most grotesque part of it all because it's one thing to do it for the fans it's another thing when your family's there and he later asked me um where the blood was where the blood was stored like if it was up my sleeve oh like a blood bag or something yeah Mm. and and probably to this day his wife my stepmother who was not there she she thinks it was fake good she's like where you know where was it that was fake right and all the stuff you do is fake yeah mama I'm glad you weren't there. Good. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> it, it was bad. Yeah. It was gushy. Wow. Man, yeah. I, I don't I don't handle those very well either myself. I'm kind of glad I'm not there. But, um, man, th- that's an incredible story, dude. Um, let's switch gears here for a quick sec. Uh, how did you get uh, hooked up with your partner uh, and you became the luxurious ones? And talk about your title run. Sure, absolutely. So, um, Matt Boone. Came into our training school. Um, a lot of, like I said, a lot of people come and go. You can usually tell who's going to go pretty quickly. Sure. This guy, um, fuck you, Mav, if you're listening. You're probably not, but I'm going to put you over. <laughs> um, he came in. He put in the work instantly. He um, he paid his dues. He bought the beers for the, for the vets. Nice. He kept his mouth shut and did his thing. We didn't tag for a long time. He was working a lot of... Uh, dark matches and um, early matches for a while. For ICW here in Milwaukee, Insane Championship Wrestling, we both worked against each other for like a Royal. Him and I opened for a Royal Rumble. We're working together, and um, the next week we get a message from the promoter, Dysfunction. Um, he says, uh, I'm going to put you guys together, and you guys are going to be the luxurious ones. And at the time, we're like, all right, what's that? Like, We were happy we were going to tag. Okay, finally, because we're bros at this point, right? Mm-hmm. So um, we didn't know what we were going to do with it. And then we just, um, God, I don't even know who, rem- who we wrestled, but we came out and just like, we wanted to piss off the crowd, of course, as heels. So we just came out and just started doing some erotic things, rubbing each other's thighs and mm. like <laughs> drinking White Claw. I don't even know if we drank White Claw on the first one, but like chugging White Claw and like, pouring it down our chest and the the crowd hated it and we're like we found what we're doing 
Yeah. Like, clearly, in a, in a beer city like Milwaukee, we're like, clearly. That works. They don't like this. Yeah. yeah. So we we've been, we still do that shit. It's perfect. So, yeah, we, it's it's been working, and we're um, we're collaborating on gear now and just, like, tag moves. And, uh, yeah, that's the bro right there. That's awesome. Yeah. Things that a Milwaukee audience would hate, but luxurious ones would do. <laughs> yeah. Stay luxurious, baby. And is that with Brew City Wrestling, too? We do do it with BCW, yep. Okay. So, yep. you know, Brew City, Seltzer, opposite. I mean, that's, Let's heel, go. that's heel tactics. Absolutely. That's bread and butter, baby. Yeah. I love it. So, um, so how did, like, how did it feel to, like, win the ICW Tag Team Championship belts? I mean, like, did you, were you thinking, like, I made it, like. What was that like? Tell us about that. Yeah. So that was, um, so when I got into wrestling, I've always been a tag team guy. Sure. I like, we can talk about tag teams. I listened to y'all tag teams, two part episode. Um, that was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love tag team, just the collaboration, like I said, and just working together. Um, when we won the tag team titles, especially as heels over the Caribbean connection, some of the bigger baby faces at ICW, um, it was huge. Like I, I probably self marked for myself and like geeked out. I think our celebration as our music played, the crowd is booing the whole time. I think we celebrated for like four minutes solid. <laughs> and and um, luxurious ones is also a trio. Our third is um, the marvelous Ethan Matthews. Nice. So um, when we tag, we use the bird rules. Any three of us can defend the titles Uh, like the new day yeah exactly so um two of us had won the titles and um we just celebrated just so obnoxiously and so just too long i think the crowd was sick of booing (laughs) we were just like oh there's video of that somewhere too just going at it for so long that it was just stupid and um like i said part of that was just genuine happiness yeah i was so happy to just yeah i finally i felt like i finally made it yeah i mean i can only imagine what that feels like i respect anybody that steps through the ropes and does the things that you do and it's why i love sitting on this side of the microphone and talking to people like you because i want to live through you and hear your stories and that just seems like just such an amazing feeling. So how long did you guys carry the belts for? Or do you still have them? We don't currently have them, no. Okay. Um, we carried them for a long time. Um, not like the longest in company history, but we carried them for a long time. We awesome. promoted about them. I don't know if you saw them. I mm-hmm. think you did. We did some obnoxious promos about them. But it was a while, like multiple months. I don't want to say Maybe six, maybe nine months. That's a good run. Six yeah, and nine joke, a great by the run. way. Um, yeah, it was a good time. We defended them. Well, we probably only defended them like three times. But Who are those pieces of craps you, you uh, defended them against? That's a great question. I have my match database on my phone somewhere. but <laughs> That's okay. Do you I mean, know? No, I was going to oh. say, it's probably fine. I mean, if you beat them, it's not worth remembering who they Exa- were. Anyway. Thank you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get back to you on that. I do know I have it on record somewhere. So do you and Mav have uh, plans to regain those titles at some point? Oh, absolutely. Um, anywhere that needs a good tag team, we're humbly, I, I think we're right there as far as, uh, you know, talent. Uh, we bring it 100% of the time. We drink claws 100% of the time, and we think we, uh, of course, we think we deserve it. <laughs> 
absolutely speaking of those awesome promos so where can people find you um online on social media and your youtube channel yeah youtube is uh baxter belafonte um the the last e on belafonte has a little accent on it but i recently changed it because i realized it was hard to find if you didn't spell it right Hmm. so uh, it should be just baxter belafonte I know that I've been lacking on videos recently. I've got a ton in my phone that I need to post. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly for now, it's just promos on there. But I got a ton of matches that uh, I'll put on there. Nice, including winning the um, the ICW tag titles, yeah. and then everywhere else on social media: uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I'm still learning TikTok because I'm old and I'm bad at editing, but. Um, yeah, it's all at Baxter Wrestles, all one word. Awesome. And uh, where are you going to be wrestling next? Do you have anything booked coming up soon? I do. I'm glad I took notes. A booking can come at any time, which is funny because um, I just wrestled Summerfest, which me and uh, Matt talked about. I wasn't booked for that because I was told I was told the card was full, which is fine. Two days before Summerfest. Uh, Mav messaged me. He's like, "Hey, are you available? We can, we can tag in the main event." Oh shit! I'm gonna make that happen. So, boom, that happened. But uh, my next show at the time is October 22nd in Waukesha, Wisconsin. It's the Elks Lodge. It's like our home turf. It's, nice. Um, that's where all the best storylines are. Uh, Mav and I are are always gonna be there. You can come hang out with us at at merch tables. Um, you know, take pictures, buy me a claw, whatever. Um, and then we're going to give you 100%. We're going to give you the best match that we can. Um, this is a ways out, but the next BCW shows are November 20th, December 11th, and then the biggest show of the year is Rise to Honor, January 8th in Waukesha. That'll draw probably 500 fans. Like I said, it's the biggest show, so... When tickets are available, you got to be there. Awesome. Yep. Nice. We're going to mark our calendars for sure. Uh, Can't wait to uh, go out and see the luxurious ones live. Uh, Make sure you follow and subscribe to Baxter Belafonte all over the internet. Before we close the show, we like to do this little thing called the three count, where we ask our guests three questions. And, um, yeah, let's get it started with the three count. If you could sit down to dinner... With three people from the business, alive or dead, who would it be? You know, I had to write it down because there's so many people out there, like legends and even current people that, like, they know the business so well, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And it depends what you want to get into, too. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So it took me a minute, and I realized all my picks are from, like, the 90s. That's cool. Um, I'll say honorable mention... Again, Kevin Sullivan, when he came to one of our shows, I was watching the main event match. And it was, um, we brought in Tatanka to work one of our other heels. And um, I get a tap on my shoulder. And guy says, hey, you got to come in the back. Kevin Sullivan's doing something. So I go into the back and he's just sitting down, just telling stories. And all the, not even all the rookies, but all the vets are sitting there. And he's just like, telling stories of the old times and like giving advice that was awesome honorable mention but my three people i'm gonna start with jr jim ross 
Nice. Like legend, man. Godfather. Godfather the of voice, all. The voice of pro wrestling. Absolutely. You guys mentioned um, Dark Side of the Ring. Just last week, I watched the, um, what was it, the airplane ride from hell. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Heavy shit. Yeah. Yeah. Not only not only was he a big part of that, um, and that was crazy, but I'm not surprised to hear a lot of that because mm-hmm. you put a guy, you put a bunch of wrestlers on a plane for 14 hours, shit's going to go down. Word. So JR, like, he was the guy who made the decision to who to put on TV, and he oversaw all the talent. Like, he's seen it all. So, like, I would just want to pick his brain for mm-hmm. 12 hours. Mm-hmm. And, Good choice. And he's still killing it in AEW. Like, yep. he, he's the legend, man. So yep. um, he's probably number one. Nice. Um, I'll say – I'll put this guy my third. I will say my second one is Stone Cold Steve Austin. All right. Um, huge part of my childhood. So many memories. Just ridiculousness. Also because he just seems like an awesome dude to have a beer with. Word up. Like, let's kick it back. Mm-hmm. Watch an old match or watch something and like let's shit on this and let's he have loves a beer. the business too. He, he could he talk does. about it all day. Yeah, absolutely. And and yeah, even if he was watching my match and shitting on it, I'd be like, yeah, you're right. That's, thank that's you. That's pretty funny. Yeah, thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. And he'd probably watch his own match and be like, look how dumb this is. Yeah. And it'd be so fun. You're like you shithead, Steve. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he'd probably have a dog around too. And yeah, I love yeah, dogs. So there you go. Great choice. <laughs> I like this. Um, my last one, um, I mean, straight up, is The Rock. Okay. Again, a part of my childhood, but even to this day, like, I follow him on Instagram, TikTok. Yeah. That dude is so motivational. Like, mm-hmm. he's killing it every single day. Right. More than the previous day. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. That's a great party. And, I mean, you would get in some great restaurants with that trio, too. Man, so. I hope so. I I don't know if I would get in, but they would. Yeah, <laughs> I'd have to be like the driver or the, uh, you know, the caddy or something. Awesome. Yeah. No, that's that's a that's a great dinner party right there. So second question on the three count. Okay, would you rather have a half hour death match with Nick Gage? Oh boy. Or a ten minute match with New Jack when he's having a bad day? So, I will say. With certainty, I respect Deathmatch and everyone who does Deathmatch because I probably couldn't, definitely couldn't do it. And and Nick Gage is the king of kings when it comes to Deathmatches. We all know that. So I'm going to take the latter. Um, even if it's the worst kind of match, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the latter. Wow, you're a brave man. Yeah. Yeah, you go through a lot of shit, and I, I would go through that. Wow. Rather than light tubes and thumbtacks and death, death, death match. <laughs> okay, yeah. Woo! I'm sweating just thinking about it. Rest in peace, by the way, yeah. Right on. Okay, so last one. If you could work with anyone in the business in a dream match, who would it be and what would it consist of? Yeah, I thought about this one too. And I haven't... I'm surprised I haven't talked about him at all during the podcast. I thought I would talk about him more. And it's Jeff Hardy. Um, He is a huge part of why I got into wrestling. You know, thin dude, underlooked, underdog. Um, But by the time that the TLC stuff started happening, 
um, that dude went all out. And I know he had some issues from it, like with the painkillers, and st- rightly so. But he went all out trying to top the previous night with his performance. And that's what I try to do. Maybe not to his extent, of course. Of course not. But um, just being that thin underdog dude that just goes for it, I would love to wrestle him. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he'd smoke me at this point. But um, I'd love to be in a ring with him. And he's super knowledgeable and experienced, too. He's held world titles. Um, yeah, it, it would be him. Like I said, personal motivation. He just took it to the max. And, and the Hardy Boys in general, not just him. Mm-hmm. Um, super motivational. So what would him. the match consist of? Would it be ladder match, TLC, or just straight up? It'd have to be TLC. Okay. I mean... It would suck to take a bump from the top of a ladder into a table or a double table, mm-hmm. but I'm there for it. Yeah, dude. And, you only got one life to live with Jeff Hardy. Absolutely, and I'm there for it. If he's going to do the bumps, I'm going to do them. Fuck yeah. Well, I'd if he's doing answer. the bumps after 25 years of those TLC matches, <laughs> I, I think you'd get by just fine. Yeah, and and I would do that. I mean, respect the man of the world. I'll, I'll take whatever bumps I have to for him. Hell you yeah. Know? Well, fans are going to love this. Thank you so much, Baxter, for sitting down with us. We hope to have you back again sometime. So make sure you follow Baxter Belafonte, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, everywhere you can find him. We can't wait to go see you live. Baxter, thank you so much again for joining us. Thank you, Mike, Matt. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, it's been a blast. So, uh, yeah, let's do it again just down the road. Hell yeah, for sure. Stay luxurious, my friends. All right. Well, that was a lot of fun sitting down with Baxter. We're going to hope to have him back on the show again because there was so much stuff that we didn't get to. Time just drifted away. But, um, yeah, he also wrestled in Crusher Fest in 2019 that we didn't get to in that interview. And Crusher Fest is where we are going to be this coming weekend. Uh, It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to be doing some live podcasting. We're going to be doing some interviews. Our shirts just came in, so you're going to have uh, T-shirts for sale. Um, it's going to be great. I think tickets only start at 10 bucks. There's probably going to be food and drinks there, too. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. We really, really can't wait for the opportunity to meet you all. And, um, yeah. Matt, is there anything else I'm forgetting about that? No, I think you nailed it. Awesome. Cool. Yeah, and you might, and like, we'll- like any good AEW event, you're going to want to get there early to hit the merch table. Like, beat the, yes. <laughs> beat the lines, man. Beat the lines. Yes. <laughs> T- t-shirts are limited, so make sure you get there early if you're a big Keep the Kayfabe diehard. Yeah, we'll try to put them up on um, our Instagram page so you can check out what they look like. And trust me, you are going to love them. So, with that, all we have left to do is promo of the week. And this one comes from our friend will from let's see here will is from waukegan illinois and he sends us a real good one it's with slick he is <laughs> um with mean gene the big boss man and prince hakeem and slick nice is telling mean gene the laws of wrestling dynamics so you're not going to want to miss this let's take a listen Slickster, Akeem, the African dream, and a big boss man. Gentlemen, is this the match you wanted all along, or are you going to continue your terrorist attacks on the mega powers and the defenseless Elizabeth? What do you want? Chill out, Holmes. Chill out there while the Slickster lays it all out for you. 
You see, this is the Slickster's third law of wrestling dynamics. See, we are three men, and they are two men, and three men's will always be two men's. Ergo, presto, we will win. Now, that remains to be seen, Slickster, and if that's the third law of wrestling dynamics, what are the first two laws? Elementary, elementary, my near idiot. You see, first is the law of the jungle. Yo, brother, kill or be killed, eat or be eaten, and I am hungry. <laughs> That's it. And then second is the law of the land. Boss man, read them now, right? You have the right to suffer. You have the right to feel pain. If you wish to have an attorney present, <laughs> I'll hurt him, too. Oh, you've got to be careful. Hey, 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 school is out, Holmes, you dunce cap. Hey, now it's time for us three men's to go out and beat those two men's cause it's the love. I can't believe it manages to be a factor to what degree I don't know. The Slickster is one smooth operator. That's the jive soul, bro. Yep. He the laws awesome. of wrestling dynamics. Like, who would have ever thought that's a thing? Ah, you... He Sounds like science. Key. He was low-key one of the best managers for me back in the day in the late 80s, early 90s. Plus that cane that he had, that was probably one of the most dangerous weapons that a manager wielded back then, I would say. Mm-hmm. So, very oh, yeah. underrated manager. Inspired by classy Freddie Blassie, no doubt. You got it. Thank you, Steve. Yes. Okay. Well, this was a great show, boys. Um, yes, check us out this weekend at Crusher Fest. Tickets start at only 10 bucks. Remember to follow us on Instagram, Spotify, and Facebook. Our YouTube channel is up. And if you want to submit your promo of the week, we have an email address now at keepthekfabe414 at gmail.com. So shoot us a note. Let us know what you want to hear. And as always, stay humble, stay hungry, and stay hard. Triple H! Yeah, baby!